Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be focusing on 5, 6, and 7 of that chapter. Um, And I'm going to just go ahead and read it. I'm going to read from verses 5 all the way until the end of verse 11. So it says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So, last time we were talking about setting your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Um, We're also going to be talking a little bit more about that as well as we get into this uh, section because it's important to understand um, the before, before we get to that. So, we talked about that. We talked about setting your minds right. You seek the things that are above. Now you set your minds on the things that are above. And like I said last time, the reality of every believer, right? Every Christian is that we have died. This is important. The reason being is because we have been identified in Christ's death, right? We identify in his death and also his resurrection. Therefore, we were once alive to the world. We're no longer alive to the world. Now we're alive to Christ. And praise God for that. So basically, this section here is practical um, living for the believer, for a Christian. This is how a Christian should act and do and, um, and all the above. Right? Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. The unbeliever cannot put anything to death because they're already dead. And also, uh, the better translation there, um, I like how the, e, uh, the NASB says it. It says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. <clears throat> the same idea is there. Um, but the understanding is that because we've already identified with Christ's death and his resurrection, we are no longer alive to the world. We're alive to Christ. And because of that, we must consider dead the members of our earthly body as dead. And it says dead to what? It says dead to immorality. It's a, or it says sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So, you're putting to death what is earthly in you. Or, like the NASB says, consider them dead. Because you have died to them, these are no longer uh, a part of you. 
should not be a part of you. And what's the first thing he says? He says sexual immorality. Um, and sexual immorality is basically all that is immoral sexually, right? So you could say fornication, right? Fornication outside of marriage, right? Adultery is also lumped up with that. Um, homosexuality, uh, that's a hot topic. And uh, the Lord has already instituted marriage to be between man and woman. He created the first two human beings on earth, man and woman. And the purpose for them was what? To take dominion of the world. And what else? To multiply, right? Be fruitful and multiply. And you can't do that um, if two of the same sexes are together. So obviously God is against that. And also uh, it represents Christ and the church, right? Christ is the groomsman and the bride is the church, right? Um, and it goes together. And this is how God instituted marriage to be, right? Anything outside of that, um, if you engage in a sexual way, um, that's already immoral. And you're sinning against God. And this is what you must put to death. So if you're participating in that, but you also identify in Christ, Paul here is encouraging you to put to death or actually commanding you, uh, obviously by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, commanding you put to death sexual immorality. What else? Impurity, right? So now no longer is it like an outward action. Now it's more internal impurity, even uh, sexual thoughts God is against, right? So these thoughts that come to mind, uh, that lead to sexual immorality, uh, you must also consider dead. That should no longer be named among you. What else it says? It says passion, right? Evil desire. So passion is what is outward, you could say. It's the physical, um, the physical side of it. And then it says evil desire. That is now the mental aspect of it. Listen to what James 1.15 says. It says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And here Paul is commanding the Colossians and also God, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, caused Paul to write this for us as well, that we also, because we identified in Christ's death and his resurrection, we must also consider dead passion and evil desire. Because this desire, James says, when it has, it has conceived, gives birth to sin. Obviously, you're already messed up there because this desire, when it has conceived, right, when it's when it starts um, growing, it gives birth to what? Sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And then he also continues on saying, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. So he's writing to the Christians. And going back to Colossians now, uh, this passion that is outward, this evil desire that is inward, uh, brings forth this passion that is obviously sinful, 
right? We're transgressing against the Lord and it brings forth impurity and sexual immorality. So all of these um, are really close to each other. And then it says, and covetousness, right? The desire to want or to want more. Obviously, when we have this desire to want more or have more, or we look at somebody and they have something that you really want, but you don't have, and you start coveting that which is theirs, um, that is also sin, God says. It's forbidden. And why is that? Because that is idolatry. Now you're taking it upon yourself. What should be yours? And because I desire what they have, they better give it to me, right? Because it brings forth uh, that kind of sin. Or you could say other sins, right? When you sin, to cover up that sin, you sin again, right? Let's say a lie. When you lie, you have to continue keeping that lie. So in order to do that, you're going to continue to lie to cover that lie that you first lied. So... Again, with all of this, it says, on a, which is idolatry. You lump all of that together. You, you take it, you look at it. And what do you get? You get idolatry. It's a worship of self instead of worship of God. And why is that? Because you feel the need to fulfill um, a desire that is within you that is ungodly. We're not to fulfill that. We're to put to death because it's dead. Consider dead. And if it's hard, get accountability by brothers and sisters in the Lord that you are gathered together with in your local church. Get together with them because they will be able to sharpen you. Um, as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another, right? Without that accountability and you're on your own, guess what? You're going to give birth to sin. This desire that's within is going to flourish and come out because you have no accountability and we're at war. We're at war with the flesh, right? We must consider that dead because we identify uh, with Christ and what he has done on that cross. And why is that? Look at verse six. It says, on account of these, on account of those that Paul just wrote about, the wrath of God is coming. And actually, in some manuscripts, it says, um, on account of, when it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming, there's some manuscripts that add upon the sons of disobedience. Um, both would be correct. Um, and the understanding there is the wrath of God that is coming upon those uh, who participate in sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Um that wrath is justly for them. Meaning these people uh, are unbelievers, right? Because we ourselves as Christians, we identify with Christ and what he has done. And because of that, instead of us receiving the wrath of God, Jesus received it on the cross. And because of that, we can praise God for that and now we, we ought to live a life that is holy, a life that is in full reverence to God, in full submission to him, and in obedience to him, 
And one way we are to obey the Lord is to get rid of what is earthly in us. You put to death. Um, we must continue put into death because there are sins that the Holy Spirit reveals within us. It comes to surface and we must put that, put that to death. And how do we do that? By repenting of that sin, by confessing that sin to one another. Scripture says, so that you may be healed. And also, when we confess it to the Lord, uh, we understand that the Lord has already forgiven us. So when we come to him, we, have to, we ought to come to him not in fear, but in trust. Trusting that the Lord has taken care of that. And that your desire no longer is to want to do that anymore. That's why we repent from our sins. We don't want to do that anymore. And it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. His just judgment, right, is coming upon all of those who participate and not only participate, but live in that. We Christians, we're dead to that. But those who live in that, the wrath of God is coming upon those people. And this should be a motivation to us as Christians uh, to want to reach out to others who are um, participating in all of that, yet they profess to be Christians, right? We should call them out of their sin with God's word and point them, point them to Christ, having them understand that forgiveness is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, in Christ alone, right? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, According to the scriptures alone, and the purpose of all of that is to the glory of God alone. God is the one who's going to receive the glory because he is the one that causes one to repent from their sins and put their faith in Christ, right? He gives us the desire to want to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Unbelievers don't. Unbelievers, they want to continue in sexual immorality. They want to continue in impurity having sexual thoughts that are impure, uh, passion, right? The, the outward uh, vice and evil desire, which is the inward, the desire, right? But this desire, what when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin. When it's fully grown, it brings forth death. And it says covetousness, which that is idolatry. And God hates idolatry because there is only one true God and that is himself, right? The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 7, In these you too once walked when you were living in them. That's why I said we're dead to that now. Because in these we too once walked. We once were there. We know... Um, all of that, and we understand all of that, and we understood that the wrath of God was on us at that time, but no longer is, because we too once walked. We were there one time, when you were living in them. That is to say, we're now dead to them. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 16 through 21. It says, But I say, Walk by the Spirit, 
right? Only Christians can do this. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are, are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Right? We're at war with the flesh. But praise God that He has given us His Spirit, right? God Himself is indwelling within us, revealing to us this, these sins. And what we are to do? We are to put to death what is earthly in us. We are to consider them dead. And if they arise, kill it again, right? And it says, verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, right? If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We're under grace. And because of that, we can now do that. We can now not gratify the desires of the flesh without feeling burdened that we have to be legalistic about it. Because to be legalistic um, is to say that I must cleanse myself and God can't do that. No, we're under God's grace. We've been cleansed already. But... We're in that not yet part. The not yet part is that we do not have um, a body, a flesh that is not tainted with sin. We're still living in our tainted body, right? Our body is decaying day by day. And we must understand that we are now led by the spirit. And because of that, we're not under the law. Now, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Here it is, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So just in case there's anything else that you could add and things like these. And then it says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So again, Paul is uh, telling the Galatians, like, keep in step with the Spirit, right? If you are alive to Christ and the Holy Spirit is living within you, is in you, um, then walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Praise God for His Spirit too be dwelling within us. Um, that is something that we must be grateful for because by that, then we can live by the spirit. And that's why Paul says in verse 25 of Galatians chapter five, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, right? We must keep in step with the spirit. Because he tells us in verse 22, 23, and 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? This is how we ought to live. And that's what we're going to talk about more as we go on. Uh, when we get to verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. But I'm going to just read it for, for this sake of understanding uh, what's going on. Right? The works of the flesh are evident. All those things and we know that those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we must put that away. And instead, he tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So again, we get back to what is being said in Colossians, right? We are made alive in Christ. And because of that, because we have been raised with Christ, we cannot seek the things that are above. And how do we do that? And also setting our minds that are above. How do we do that? How do we act that out? Well, it begins with love God and also love neighbor. How do I love my neighbor? By It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these attributes that we must show come from the Spirit, which is why God receives the glory. But also, who do we show this to? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's to our uh, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And not only that, we must be patient with the world as well. We were once in them. And God has given us a command. That is to preach the gospel to them. That is to teach them all that Christ has commanded. Teach them to obey, right? To observe all that he has commanded. We are to make disciples of all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what the gospel is for, is to make dead people alive, right? Not to make bad people good, because no one is good, Scripture says. Only Christ is good. But instead, it's to make those who are dead alive, right? Jesus says that he has come to save those who are in sin, Scripture says that his name shall be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This gospel that we preach, we must trust that the Lord will use it and bring about the salvation of all of those whom Christ died for. So shame on us for not preaching a gospel. That the, In a way, that's actually selfish, right? You have living water, or you know where living water is, yet you're not telling other people who are in search of or they don't know that they need it, uh, you're not telling them about it. It's not good news if they don't hear the good news, right? They can't come to faith because faith comes from hearing, it says, and hearing through the word of Christ. So again, if you're not preaching the gospel, if you're not uh, sharing and giving the gospel to those who need it, um, which is everybody, even believers, we need the gospel every day because we forget every day. We sin every day. We must repent and be continually repenting. But this gospel is to be proclaimed and heralded so that others can hear this good news. Why is it such good news? Well, it's because of our fallen nature. We are born in sin. And because of that, we're alive to the flesh. We're not alive to Christ we're alive to the flesh, and yet, and now, because of that, we're going to do exactly what our flesh desires to do, and that is sin. And God is against that. Instead, Scripture tells us that those who practice uh, that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Scripture tells us that on account of those things, the wrath of God is coming. So, how do we warn others 
about God's wrath and why God's wrath is coming? Well, by proclaiming the gospel. Proclaim the gospel and, and explain the law and why the law was given. Right? The law is given for us, not that we may be righteous in keeping it. Again, we were born in sin. We already messed up. We messed up when Adam and Eve messed up. We identify with the first Adam, but this is why the last Adam has come. So that those who put their faith in Christ, in Jesus, um, we will be identified in that last Adam because he is the last Adam. He is the one that was able to fulfill the law, right? He did not take it away. He fulfilled it. And that's why we uphold the law. But the law, the purpose of the law is to show us our filthiness. Show us how much we have sinned against God and how much we deserve His wrath. And then we look at Christ and we see the good news of it. Jesus came to pay that fine. We're in debt. And apart from Christ, that debt is not going to be paid ever. Not even a penny close. So, there's only one Savior and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The God-man. The second person of the Trinity. He entered his own creation to identify with us in a sense that he took on flesh. And because of that, he was able to live a life apart from sin, right? He did not sin once. And when he died on a cross, he took upon himself all the sins of everybody that will put their faith in Christ. That's why when we look at the cross, we are reminded of Christ dead for us what we are unable to do. And we praise God for that. And we trust that Jesus did pay for it. He did complete it. Because on the cross, he said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last. Right? He gave up his spirit. He says, Father, to you I commence my spirit. And he breathed his last. That also shows that the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign. He is the one in control. My pastor, he preached uh, and he mentioned how Jesus did not die f from his wounds. No, he gave up his spirit. He breathed his last. He was in full, complete control of his life. He says, I lay down my own life and I will raise it up. Jesus is in complete control and he's, he is still in complete control now. He is sovereign and he's holding everything together. Even our very lives right now, our breath, the reason why we're still breathing is because of Christ. So praise God for that. But recount on these things that you must put to death. Look back on that. And examine yourselves and repent. You know, be genuinely sorry from the heart to God. And if you need to confess, confess them and trust that the Lord has taken that away on the cross. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.